This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Resilience is not a solo game. We need each other. And the environment in which we live and work matters for our resilience. And before you start worrying about the furniture and the air conditioning, stop. We are each other's environment. How we humans are with each other at work, school or home shapes our resilience. The larger group cultures in which we live, work and play can support us to thrive or leave us debilitated, crawling on our hands and knees for the nearest exit. Kia ora, I'm Denise Quinlan and this is Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Collective resilience is the ability of a group or organisation to sustain and support its members through challenging times. We've seen it in operation close up and we've collected the stories of resilience builders to share with you. In this season, we'll be talking to resilient people of a special kind. They're all successfully growing the collective resilience of their colleagues, students or communities. But before we talk to these amazing change makers, let's talk today about what collective resilience actually is, why it matters and what you can do to build it wherever you are. My guest today is Dr. Lucy Hone, my co-founder at the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. And Lucy and I spend hours on Zoom together. So this isn't really an interview. This is just another chat. <laughs> Kia ora, Lucy. Delighted to be here with you today. Hi, Denise, and hi to everybody watching and listening wherever you are in the world. Um, it's great to bust out a conversation about collective resilience, which um, lots of people might be a new concept to lots of the people who are listening. Not a new concept to me because you've been banging on about it for the last two years. <laughs> so um, do you want to do you want to have a few moments on your soapbox and explain to people why collective resilience is so important to you, but why it's important to them as well? Um, absolutely. Climbing up right now. You and I have been talking about resilience a lot for the last decade. But since March 2020, we have had so many organizations come to us globally to say, come on, help us. We need to be more resilient. How are we going to cope? And we have always said that resilience is about you and what you can do, but it's also about the relationships you have and the wider context or environment that you are operating in. Mm. And we know that resilience is about what's between you as well as what's within you. Mm. And so that's easy to say, but what we've been, what I've been really aware of is that most organizations have picked up the individual piece. And it's easier to make individuals responsible for their own resilience and not necessarily pay sufficient attention to the importance that the context and the environment has on everybody's resilience. And so um, it needs its own time in the sun. And the other reason I guess, why now? It's that everybody has been upping their game, developing their resilience, trying out and implementing the tools and strategies we've been sharing over the last two years. And 
what we're seeing, I think, in 2022 is many people reaching their limit. And what, what I've experienced personally and what I'm hearing from so many people in different organizations is the understanding that when we hit the wall personally, at some point when you go, I'm done, I'm cooked, I can't go anymore, it's not you who keeps you going. It's either your family, your colleagues, your team members, your friends. They are the people whose support lifts you up and actually enables you to keep going. I agree. I think actually in many ways there's been a real um, backlash against resilience training. Certainly, you know, for you and I, when we work with leaders, um, we trained 30,000 people alone last year, so that's quite a lot of leaders, although I will claim that we have not spoken to every one of them individually. But the general, um, what we hear from people is that, yeah, understandably, staff are sick of being told that they need to be resilient without being given either the tools and the training to understand how, but also put in an, in an environment where resilience is possible. You know, yeah. you cannot be resilient if you are continually discriminated against or if there is systematic, um, unrelenting pressure or insufficient resources for you to get your job done. So that's where the, the environment, the organisation's role comes to play, isn't it? And, and I think this is just a continuation of a conversation that we have been having with organizations for more than a decade, which is around whole system well-being, that yep. you've got the well-being of the individuals in the system. And let's not call them individuals because no one's an individual. We are so connected. Let's talk mm. about the well-being of the individual people in the system, mm. the quality of the relationships those people have. Mm collective resilience piece is actually the health of the swimming pool that they're all in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the, the health we make of the environment we're in. And, and whether we're talking about well-being or resilience, that collective environmental piece is hugely important. Yeah, I mean, I think your organisation is only as resilient as the strength and cohesion of its teams. You know, we... We live and die on our on our team connections, and they are so critical. And I don't think necessarily organisations have understood particularly the potency of that lever. You know of how much you can do within your immediate team to keep burnout at bay, to boost psychological safety to really show that yeah. you care about each other, to do more asking than telling, for instance. Mm. And we know that all of that does make an enormous difference. So if we come back to, so what, what is it? What is collective resilience? And I describe it as what we enable when people feel safe and secure, that they have a sense of belonging and inclusion, that they can make mistakes, they can ask for help and they'll get it. So for me, collective resilience is the outcome. It's what we get when we have an environment that is psychologically safe, when we have a supportive work culture where people can feel belonging and inclusion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the healthy pool for everyone to successfully swim in. 
And of course, Denise, this is even more important today than it has ever been before because the earliest, most recent research that is coming out of looking into the new hybrid era of work and how do we lead high-performing teams when they are working um, half the week in the office, half the week at home, or they might even be remote. There's lots of remote working going on, of course, globally. So what is becoming apparent is that particularly for millennials and Gen Zs, unless you make the workplace somewhere they want to come to and somewhere that they can see why, what the benefit is of coming to work, you know, why it matters and what work you do, particularly when you are together, that you can't do individually, then they will not come. So this is a huge new factor that all workplaces really need to take into consideration. Very much so, very much so. And, and you know, whether, and, and all of this applies, whether we are in a fully, you know, physically present work environment or a hybrid one. Um, different challenges, but it, it still is as important. People need to feel um, they belong. They need to feel included. They need to feel safe. And mm. um, I guess the tools at your disposal are different if you're in a, a physically present workplace or a hybrid one. Um, and that's what we're all kind of juggling with at the moment. For some people, it's still actually persuading them of the fact that that collective resilience matters and that these small factors add up to an awful lot. But I think we're getting there, you know, that we've seen over the last year what the absence of collective resilience looks like. And the truth is, if you don't have collective resilience, you are a more vulnerable, at-risk workforce where levels of burnout are much more likely. You are more likely to be a toxic workplace. You're more likely to be an organization that people will flee from at the first opportunity. So I think the experience of what they're calling the mass, you know, the great resignation, uh, another little bing in there from somebody who's been released from their prison <laughs> sorry we did get a message a few minutes ago from lucy's husband to say she'd inadvertently locked him in the other office <laughs> wow. and i love the fact that he texted you not me <laughs> he realizes that i've got my phone completely turned off and i'm and there's no way i'm answering him you see that's our own little little module of collective resilience that he comes yes. to you the belonging and inclusion extends across the whole team. And also, he truly understands the nature of hybrid working and the fact that this woman is working, my wife is working online with somebody else. If I need to get released from the office, I could phone somebody else. Mm. The system works. There's resilience okay. built into this system. Rudely interrupted our podcast. Um, so meanwhile, back to um, organizations are realizing if you don't want to be part of um, the the great resignation, your staff being part of the great resignation, if you don't want to have high levels of burnout, what can you do? Mm -hmm. And and I think that so we are getting to that place where people are beginning to be aware that we are each other's environment. Mm 
mm-hmm. that we all contribute to it and that we can do it intentionally to develop a stronger and, and some more supportive environment rather than degrade it. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we get on to some practicals? Because, um, you know, even in our own world, that's that's a really good example. We are each other's environment. And I'd say that you and I have worked out. So we've been working remotely together for five years. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we make that work is that you and I have uh, what, what we would call a coffee catch up. And so we might have that, you know, just on our phone with our earbuds in, we might do that face to face on Zoom, literally with our breakfast and our coffees some mornings. We also have then designated meetings, which are very kind of single purpose, and we know what they're about. And so they don't, they're not the rambling meetings that drain everybody so much. So they seem to work really well. But I also like the fact that we sometimes work together on Zoom for, we'll have Zoom on for kind of three or four hours. Don't laugh if you're listening. It's not, doesn't, it's actually, it works really well. So when we, when we do what we would call like a long Zoom call, it means that Denise and I are doing collaborative work. We're working together. We don't talk much, actually. You know, sometimes we'll go 15 minutes, won't we, without one of us saying anything, but I will finish something, pass it on to Denise, or she'll have edited something, pass it back to me. And it is, it's a really, we found it a really effective way of working together in a way that is effective. And Lucy, I'm just, as you're saying this, realizing that that for us is the hybrid equivalent of going to the office together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is what remote people do. But it is about collective resilience because we also have, we've acknowledged that we need to look out for each other. We need, there is, the coffee catch-up is absolutely key. The, because in that meeting, at that occasion, let's not call it a meeting then, you and I do the what's on top, what's driving you nuts, what do you need help with, you know, how was your weekend, that kind of thing. And, and I like the fact that we've separated it out as a human need. Yeah. And we haven't devalued the human need. The human need is recognized and it has a place in the same way as a single topic meeting or the same way as a working alongside meeting. There is also the human, the human face to face catch up. Yeah. So what else have you seen work, Denise, to build collective resilience in workplaces? Well, I'm, you know, the I think sometimes the reason these fundamental and important strategies get passed over is that they seem too good to be true, too simple. Um, Surely it must be more complicated. Surely it must be a patented process. No. Getting to know each other as people makes a huge difference to the resilience of an organization. And What I've been doing in the work I've been doing with organizations over the last year is going, I put my money where my mouth is. If I'm working with you, I will stop my keynote. I'll stop what I'm doing and give you time to have a deeply personal conversation, which I will orchestrate Mm -hmm. because it changes things. And, you know, we've been looking at so much research that 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 brings this point home. But because it's so fundamentally simple and human, I think we sometimes forget to actually mm. let people get to know each other. And oh, we know. So, so true, isn't it? You know, that Sullen Sull research that just came out last year, the MIT Sloan Review, 
So that was looking into the top elements of culture that matter most to employees. And everything was about being human. You know, people want to feel respected. They want to have supportive leaders. They don't want to have toxic managers. They want their managers to behave ethically and they want their leaders to actually live the core company values rather than just talk about them in an annual email. So I think that was fascinating. You read something that kind of echoed that? Yeah, absolutely. So literally today, some research that's just coming out from um, Santos and Lusa in Portugal, they looked at what are the social values that are most important to workers? And this is a study that began in 2018 and has had a follow-up in 2022, well into the pandemic. And the five values that were most important to people were respect, getting help, gratitude for what they do, Mm. equity with no discrimination, and trust. So Mm. very similar. They map across really nicely. And Mm. and what that says to me is all of this stuff is about the fact that we are not widgets in the workplace. You have a human being that has a life, um, Mm. that has human needs working in your workplace, and we have to acknowledge that. And I think, you know, for me, Collective resilience is interesting because I see it as a wave that really is about rehumanizing the workplace. Mm. You know, that that is where we are headed because we can see for so many different reasons that is what it's going to take to um, to allow us meet the challenges that we're facing head on right now. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that that is one of um, the gifts that COVID gave us is it absolutely broke down this false um, sort of barrier between work and home. I mean, you and I used to laugh about this. We would do um, questionnaires and research with with workers and they we would say to them you know they would people would come back to us and say would you want me to fill out this form as in i how i am at home or how i am at work and we'd say to them this is crazy i mean obviously there are you know slight nuances but duh we are the same people and i think that has that covid's done that for us you know no doubt one of my dogs will bark in a minute we've just acknowledged the fact that we've had a text from my husband and I might have locked him in the office again I mean you know this is why did we ever pretend that we weren't human yeah yeah it's crazy and and I think um we know that so we know that being actually being able to be real and it's not easy it's not it's not like oh you get to be your real crappy self it's Mm. You better learn to have real conversations. You are going to be asked to deal with and connect with and be held accountable for your behavior and all of that. You know, it's it's about raising the bar as human beings, not lowering it. Which is also really interesting because lots of people are really scared. Lots of particularly kind of middle managers are really scared about having real open conversations with their teams at work, which is funny, again, because... You, you usually manage to have them outside of work. And as guess what? The same rules apply. They're not easy. You don't want to have them. You have to work out very often what is the cost of not having this conversation in order to prompt you to actually go ahead and do it. And we all need to get over ourselves and understand that a robust conversation at work doesn't mean we hate each other, doesn't mean we're being disrespected, but we just need to be able to have them in respectful ways, which is not easy, 
but is possible. Okay, so I'm going to be interviewing you, I feel, on this, and I feel I'm missing lots of things. Before we go, what else? So the other thing, Lucy, that that we've been – we've been thinking a lot about and we know is important is connecting people to the positive impact of their work on others. Um, And I love this. You can just see that the more connections there are, um, the more people are connected to that positive impact, the more people have um, fuel in their tank, a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from, from the very simple who gets the thank you cards and why are they not shared with the rest of the team Mm. to um, there was a lovely example um, that was shared with me um, a few years back from a hospital in Sydney where the IT repair team was based, you know, the equipment repair team was based in the basement of the hospital, never saw anybody repaired all this machinery. It went out. And one day the manager began bringing them out so the team member who'd repaired a piece of equipment was taken up to the hospital ward or surgery to see the hospital staff using the equipment and the patient who was benefiting. And the mm. impact on that team was transformative. Yeah, it'd be huge, isn't it? Because we all seek to know that we are making a contribution at work. That goes back to that damn pink research, you know, years ago, didn't it, in Drive, yeah. that we actually contributing, making a difference, having some kind of purpose for work is way more important to us than the money we earn. So, yeah, I absolutely hear you on that. And we will come back to that. But to to finish off, um, let's think about what we do to look after our own collective resilience at NZIWR. Okay, well, I'm going to fire that back at you because I feel like I've already, you know, that coffee catch up outside of our work meetings, whether they're short or long, is is one of the things that I'm really conscious that you and I do um, intentionally and we do well. So I'm going to throw it back at you. What else do we do? I think we have a WhatsApp group for our team and that is a place to share funny stuff, to share the wins, to celebrate Mm -hmm. each other. I think that's a whole, we could do a whole other podcast on the importance of celebration for collective resilience. Um, Mm. So I think that works. And we're really also very clear that that channel, you do not put work-related stuff of, you know, deadlines, events or It is purely for us communicating as human beings and celebrating each other. Um, Where we've been, what we've been doing, and anything from the kind of, you know, fun, ridiculous. Dr. Emma Woodward, who's our clinical director, um, sent us a picture of her running on the beach in Brighton, England, last week. And so I love things like that. And then you get the lovely testimonial from some multinational global client that's, you know, epic. And then to the ridiculously sort of little things of, a, you know, someone's walking on the beach with their dog, whatever it is. I think yeah. I think it is really uh, valuable for us, isn't it? Yes, very much so. And the other celebration that we've just had recently was, um, and I credit you with this, Lucy, we, we were approaching our fifth birthday as an organization and you said, we've got to mark this. And we took our team, all of our team to Wanaka for a retreat, no work, just mm-hmm. relaxation and play. And that was important. And I think about it, <clears throat> It achieved two things. 
one, we celebrated, and that in itself was good for our resilience because mm. the people who've helped you get over all the hurdles and the big jumps over the last five years mm. are the ones who can really look back and celebrate together. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's also easy just to skip over those moments and not press pause, as you know. Yeah, it's it's challenging logistically to get everybody from all over the country to one place. It's expensive. It took time out of work. But boy, was it worth it. And the the other piece was that by making that space, there were time for conversations. Mm -hmm. And I learned things about some of our team members that I didn't know before that mm -hmm. have literally inspired me and made and reinvigorated me and they are all good things yeah so i think that is key okay so um what's the call to action for everybody listening today denise i want anyone who's listening to share with us how you are connecting your team to the positive impact of their work on others Brilliant. let's do this. Let's make our organizations and our teams stronger by connecting people to the positive impact of the work that they do. And can I just um, add to that? Please don't be shy. Please share what you are doing, because in all of the work we do at the Institute, that's how we work. We see ourselves as a kind of disseminator and diffuser of great ideas. And so we're only ever as good as the information initiatives um you know approaches that you're willing to share with us and we, and that's collective resilience we'll stop now before the singing breaks out but please do share your stories and your insights with us thanks to lucy for being with us today and thanks to you for listening and remember we are each other's environment you've been listening to bringing well-being to life on orfm dunedin to learn more about how you can build well-being and resilience for your team, go to nziwr.co.nz. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate the podcast to help others who might enjoy it find it more easily. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.